Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. This edition is called Solar Energy Fundamentals Part 1. When light comes from the closest star, which is the sun, it will give us solar power and solar energy. We are going to talk about the difference and how to quantify irradiance and irradiation. We also get into solar insulation, that's not insulation, that's insolation, tilt angles, peak sun hours in different locations, including Germany, the home of Hermann Scherr, who kicked off the solar revolution. To have fun and to learn more about solar and energy storage, go to solarsean.com. And now, on to solar power and solar energy. Irradiance and irradiation. That's irradiance and irradiation. This has to do with sunlight. Irradiance is solar power. Irradiation is solar energy. One of the ways that I first remembered the difference between irradiance and irradiation is I remembered that after Fukushima blew up, people were worried about getting radiation poisoning. They weren't worried about radiance poisoning. They were worried about too much time near the failed reactor. So that has to do with energy because power times time is energy. If you were getting an x-ray, you might get a couple milliseconds of radiation might end up saving your life. If you had that same intensity of x-rays coming at you for a long period of time, that would be the end of you. So radiation is energy. Irradiation is solar energy. Irradiance is solar power. So when they measure a solar module, they do it under standard test conditions, which is irradiance of 1000 watts per square meter. We call that 1000 watts per square meter peak sun conditions. That's standard test conditions, STC, peak sun, 1000 watts per square meter. Most of the time, when the sunlight is hitting your modules, you're getting way less than 1000 watts per square meter. It is possible, and rare to get over a thousand watts per square meter. This would have to do with reflections. One of the types of reflections that you sometimes hear about is called the edge of cloud effect. So visualize this. You get direct sunlight giving you a thousand watts per square meter, and then you get some more sunlight bouncing off the edge of a cloud. Or maybe it's a building, or maybe it's bouncing off a glacier or a polar bear. Sunlight can bounce off all kinds of things. So remember, irradiance and irradiation also has to do with per area. Irradiance is measured in units of power per area, and irradiation is measured in units of energy per area. So typically we talk about measuring our irradiance in units of watts per square meter, such as peak sun, as I'm saying again, 1000 watts per square meter, which is also standard test conditions, the way they measure modules. In irradiation sometimes, they talk about peak sun hours. So if you had a thousand watts per square meter for five hours, that would be a long noon. But perhaps you would get the equivalent of five hours of peak sun over 12 hours in the day. That would not be too uncommon. The sun is just not always aiming at your modules and those conditions are just not a thousand watts per square meter all the time. However, if you're in space, you get 1,366 watts per square meter. That's called the solar constant. Probably not something you're gonna be tested on for the North American Board of Certified Energy Practitioners, but if you're trying to get NASA certified, you better know that one. There's an extra 125% correction factor for irradiance. Don't get overwhelmed with this right now. It's only for things that are connected directly to solar cells with not electronics in between. And like I said before, it's more on the advanced level for the advanced class. Also your solar modules, they aren't 100% efficient. They're not gonna put out a thousand watts per square meter. They might put out 
150 watts per square meter because that would make them 15% efficient if they put out 150 out of 1,000. And we're going to do some calculations that have to do with that. We can take the dimensions of a module, figure out how much power comes out of it, know 1,000 goes into it, and figure out the percentage efficiency of that module. Isn't that easy? So you will see a lot of modules these days, about 20% efficient, plus or minus a few percent, depending on how expensive the modules are. Insulation is like a conjugation. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Let's talk a little bit about insulation, and that's like a conjugation, and it stands for incident solar radiation. And so insulation, insulation, not to be confused with that stuff in your attic, insulation, which is a good idea, but insulation, incident solar radiation, is typically when you measure how much solar energy is hitting a surface at a particular angle. A lot of the data has been collected at a latitude tilt or latitude plus 15 tilt or latitude minus 15 tilt because people were optimizing for winter at latitude plus 15, optimizing for summer at latitude minus 15, or optimizing annually at just a latitude tilt, or even a better tilt than latitude that you can figure out with software, or in most of the United States, 30 degree tilt is pretty optimal to get the best amount of solar energy out of your system. And so insulation, incident solar radiation, that is solar energy, not solar power. Solar power is what? Irradiance. Solar energy is irradiation. Incident solar radiation is a type of irradiation. Another thing sometimes they call it is the solar resource. You're making a business and you're going, should I invest my billion dollars here? What's the solar resource? Some solar resources, peak sun hours for all different locations. When we talk about a peak sun hour, that's 1000 watts, also known as a kilowatt, over a square meter for an hour. So we got a kilowatt per square meter per hour. That's a peak sun hour. So if you're an old timer solar installer, you would have got your information probably from the NREL, National Renewable Energy Labs, Red Book, they call it. People don't really do that too much anymore because we have computers and apps and all that kind of stuff. But this is good, interesting information, good way to compare different places. And so we have San Diego getting 5.7 peak sun hours per day, Waterloo, Iowa, 4.6 sun hours per day, and then Calgary, the sunny spot of Canada, which is kind of surprising, is getting 4.9 peak sun hours per day. I did a class up there. It was for the utility. I was really surprised how much sunlight they had for Canada, but it is sort of an energy vortex up there. It was kind of weird doing solar next to all these petroleum engineers at this college. And then Philadelphia getting about 4.5, so that's not as good as Calgary, but hey, it's solar and it's a good idea. Toronto, where there was lots of solar going in when I was there in 2010 because of the good feed-in tariff that they had. I was there one or two weeks out of the month for a whole year, and they're getting 4.1 peak sun hours. They had an incentive that was giving them 80.2 cents per kilowatt hour, and right then the dollar of Canadian versus US was just about the same, and they were paying eight cents a kilowatt hour for electricity. They were getting tenfold better for producing energy up to 10 kilowatts. That was awesome. That really stimulated the industry, helped it get going. San Francisco Bay Area and lots of Northern California gets about 5.4 Sacramento. And what's kind of funny is the San Francisco airport is 5.4. But if you go to the foggy beach, you can get down to like Toronto Sun, 4.1. And then you want to go sun it up a little bit. You go up over the other side of the mountains and to the desert of Las Vegas, 6.5 kilowatt hours 
per square meter per day of solar energy hitting at latitude tilt. That's why there's lots of solar farms out over the other side of those mountains that come off of California going towards Las Vegas and other places. New York City getting 4.6 kilowatt hours per square meter, just like Boston and Miami, 5.2. Kind of funny that Miami is less than San Francisco, but they have weather in the summertime. California doesn't rain for six months out of the year, lots of times. And then Germany is about four peak sun hours per day. And then up until probably about 2015, Germany had more solar than any country in the world. China passed Germany for installed solar, but also for a long period of time, probably up till around 2010, 11, Germany had more than half of the solar installed in the world in that little country that gets four peak sun hours because of a solar saint named Hermann Scher. Rest in peace, Hermann. And he got the solar industry going by inventing this thing called the feed-in tariff, which stimulated the industry for everybody, created a gold rush in Germany for a while. One test question that has shown up on the NABSEP PVA exam multiple times goes something like this. What is the best tilt angle for most of the United States for annual solar production? And that would be 30 degrees, but perhaps also it would be latitude. They're not gonna give you a multiple choice question where they're gonna say 30 degrees or latitude. They're not gonna give you two right answers. At least I hope not. I don't think they're gonna be that difficult. Thanks for listening. And to learn more about the sun and everything else, go to solarsean.com.